Bags down, spikes on. Welcome to Track. My name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this special episode of Track World News. And this is going to be our very first interview in our new interview series. Still working on a name, so I'll make sure to add that when we have it all figured out. But uh, this first guest is going to be a very exciting one. A former teammate of mine, uh, Wellington Zaza. He's a hurdler. I have a really great conversation coming ahead of you, him talking about his plans for this upcoming year, what he's most excited for, and all that good stuff. So hope you enjoy it, and uh, have a good one. Talk to you soon. Hello, everyone, uh, to our first iteration of our track and field interviews here on Track World News. Uh, It's an honor to have a former teammate, uh, a, a hurdler, an amazing athlete. He was a, a national record holder in Liberia, uh, an African uh, champion in the hurdles, All-American. I mean, the, the list can go on for the accolades for this man. Uh, also, probably one of, the coolest, nice. one of the coolest names uh, that I had ever seen also, uh, Wellington Zaza. Uh, Wells, thanks for, for coming on, man. Hey, man, thank you for having me, man. Colin, this is, is definitely a pleasure, and I, I'm definitely happy to, to be interviewed by you, bro. Real talk. Awesome, man. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, before I get started, wanted to actually kind of tell one of my prop. This so this is a story that I have used as my fun facts sometimes. Like you know, whenever you have you know get to know people or or something like that, I always say uh, one fun fact that I have is I beat a national record holder when I was in high school in track and field. Everyone's like, wait, what? Wait, what? So. In high school, my sophomore year, which was your, I believe, senior year, yeah, you're off at uh, at Garnet Valley. For those that don't know, it's a yeah. you know, lo- local high school in the in the Central League. Competed against each other pretty often, and um, we had a home meet, a dual meet, and it was the triple jump. Which, for I know you're not a jumper as much anymore, but that was one of your your best events. You're what jumped over 50 feet, something like that. You know, yeah, just, I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, that was it, was, it was one of your best events for sure. And me being just a sophomore and not great at triple jump to begin with, it was just there to collect some points. And since you were doing like four or five events every day, triple jump wasn't your big focus. And I remember we, I was do, we were doing warmups and it was like an hour open pit and you showed up for the last like four or five minutes to get your jumps in because you were too busy doing other stuff to go to the open pit. And so you, you get three jumps. And so you, you started with the, the 40 foot bar. You had no warm up, not 40 foot, whatever the 33, whatever it is. Yeah. 33, 34. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And so you started off with the, the farthest bar. You hadn't had any warm ups. You fouled the first attempt. You're like, damn. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I was already winning the competition at the time. With like a with like a thirty five foot jump, and the second attempt goes on, and you tried the same thing, and I guess you you just didn't the form wasn't there, and you missed the pit, and so you're like, all right, no no problem, no problem, and then you moved up to the the shortest board there. You're like, hey, I just need to get in the pit because at this point yeah. I haven't gotten any points, and so you move it up to like the fifteen foot jump, fifteen foot bar, or whatever, and you jumped over the pit into the grass, and for those that don't know, that's a foul in in uh triple jump at least in this the high school level 
And so since you, you technically fouled three times, I beat you, got the win. That was one of my, that was one of my highest moments, even though probably something you didn't even, don't even remember from what was it like seven, eight years ago. No, I, I pretty much remember a lot of my competitions though, because I because I remember just laughing at the end and just like walking off. Oh yeah, I think was, I probably I think I, I think I remember like kind of like dapping up a little bit though. Oh yeah, I was I was excited. Yeah, I was. I can't <laughs> believe it. Uh, beat this guy who broke pretty much all the records here at, at our school just the year before, and so pretty pretty cool moment. But um, yeah, definitely definitely an interesting one. Um, so you have a uh, you know really. Uh, interesting story that not a lot of athletes um, have gotten. I mean, you're originally from Liberia. Uh, could you kind of, you know, talk a little bit about your, you know, where you come from and just the, uh, this, your journey from, you know, going from your, your native hometown of uh, in Liberia over here to eventually uh, stateside? Well, um, I, was I was originally born and raised in Monrovia, Liberia. Um, however, I came to the U.S. Uh, not because we wanted to take a vacation, uh, sadly. Um, but during that, during those times uh, in the early 2095s and those type of years, we had two civil wars in our country. And um, unfortunately, during the second one is where you know I me mean, was my tenure in life, and you know my family. We had to make do with what we have and kind of like escape that type of you know I mean tragedy and and war torn country. You know at the moment, you know, but. Um, when that was the case, we moved here to the U.S. Luckily, we was able to get through and um, and escape the the worst worst part. Um, but we we did get to see the middle the middle part of it. But to, to, when it got worse, it was kind of like, all right, thank God we made it out um, as well and came to the U.S. There you go. I I know I was reading the one of the articles from you know from Auburn that was talking about it. Um, on how you learn, like how you were learning English, and it wasn't through, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, Stone yeah. or through teaching. Nah, none of that, none of that, none of that. See, for me, I, I was, a, I was always a TV type of guy. Uh, yeah, I learned English like the weird way. Like I was watching Barney, you know, I was watching like How You, all those like kids shows, The Wiggles, and all those type shows. Like every morning, I watch, watch it before school. Like just sit there and just, I'm like face planted in front of the camera like listening to what they're saying and repeating it and because like my accent was just like terrible like english negative two like <laughs> you know but you know but just just as a kid just soaking up information because i was getting made fun of for being african i was making fun of for not being able to pronounce things i was made fun of for not being able to do this not able to be not, not being able to do that so it was kind of like a like a pure pressure type of thing for me um to to learn english you know what i mean mm -hmm. what uh you know as you got older i'm sure you're playing a whole bunch of of different sports i mean what was it that that drew you towards you know running in in the track and field world or when did you start um you know getting into that well um to be honest i started running track solely because um, when I was in Upper Darby, in the Upper Darby area, um, everybody was uh, everybody would say, yo, you should run track because um, that's going to get you faster for football. Oh, you should run track because it's going to get you more in shape for basketball. Because growing up in Upper Darby, that's all we ever did. We, ever, we either played football or played basketball. And I had two, three sets of friends, right, groups of friends 
friends who played football predominantly, friends who played basketball predominantly. I felt that I was a better basketball player, but never wanted to be left alone by my friends and be bored while they're at practice. So I ended up joining them to play football and kind of like use track in seventh grade, eighth grade, just to get me in shape for um, for football or basketball. And plus I played AAU with a few, a few guys who are actually in the NBA today. You know, um, it's funny as heck because I get a message, a lot of messages from them um, still to this day, like, yo, bro, if you would have played, who knew you would have been in the league? But <laughs> and that's, a, that's a different story. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm only five foot, but everybody like six, five plus. But, you know, I started in seventh grade just for fun. Um, my, seventh, my, my track coach in eighth grade, she was like, yo, you could be really good because you didn't know any, I didn't know any of the fundamentals of hurdling. I was just jumping because I like jumping over stuff at the time. I used to just like, like jumping over stuff. She's like, yeah, you're going to be good because she showed me an example twice. And on the third time, I was able to do it on my own. And then I three-stepped for the first time in eighth grade. Wow. That's for those of you who, for those of you who don't know what three-stepping is, three-stepping is the distance between and steps, some amount of steps that you have to take in between two hurdles. And typically someone in seventh or eighth grade who is just quote unquote learning how to hurdle they would take like four to five steps, alternating legs. But the fact that I was able to keep the same lead leg and go down the track without really um, shuff either shuffling or or changing legs. So she was like, yeah, you're a natural hurdling. And me being me and just loving basketball, loving football, I'm like, nah, I'm cool. I'll holler at you later. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. Uh, uh, I'm just here just, just so I don't be bored with my friends, walked off. Then she kept, she kept nag, nagging me, nagging me, nagging me. And then throughout, like, for the next two weeks, she'd call me to her office. Hey, you got to take track serious. You got to take track serious. And then um, she called up the high school coach at Upper Derby, Dan Nelson. It's like, hey, um, the week before Penn Relays, we, we typically go up to the high school to practice our handoffs because at my middle school, we had uh, a dirt track. Um, a gravel track so she's like we want to get the precise handoff so we would go up there that week instead of me practicing relay handoffs for pen relays because we're all excited for pen relays she's like oh this whole week you're training with the high school kids <laughs> and from there it was like and then for me I was so I was so competitive um I'd tell the high school kids I would beat them and they'd be like no you won't no you won't you because I didn't understand that the height went up from middle school to high school but you know, me just hanging out with them folks there and just like being around that type of family uh, environment, kind of like, yo, I actually like track, but still I was really good in basketball and football, but then I didn't take track serious until um, at the end of freshman year when I actually like made it to stage, got the record for freshman and got this, got this. And my first letter was a handwritten letter from UCLA. And then I was like, all of the basketball and football letters that I was receiving was like Villanova, LaSalle, like local surrounding schools. And the furthest was like Virginia Tech for football in Miami. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? I actually want to get out of here and not be in Philly no more. So, <laughs> you know, and then 10th grade year is where, you know what I mean? I really, that summer between ninth grade and 10th grade year is where I really started to um, put in a lot of work because, um, I went to my first AAU Nationals meet and I ended up winning. And then New Balance National, I ended up winning as well. So I was like, okay, 
I made some friends and all of my friends who I made through um, through uh, the national meetings and stuff like that, um, they were like, yo, Zah, bro, like, you need to come down here more times in the summer and we can work out and then we can run this meet, run this meet. And that was my, that was my introduction to being um, in love with track. <laughs> there you go. I mean, and I'm, I'm still dumbfounded by the three-stepping in middle school. I mean, that is... It, that's very impressive. Like, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. That's, that's something I learned. I mean, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of athletes, even if you're good, a good hurdler, you're, you're most were taking four or five steps. Uh, I mean, that was a, a difficult thing for, for me as, as it was for most people. So hearing that, that's really impressive. I mean, um, I know, yeah, I know you mentioned that, yeah, you're not the, you weren't the, the six, five guy, like a lot of basketball players were nah, and the bad I'm thing, mentally six, five. That's what, that's what matters. That's at least that's what I tell myself too. Uh, <laughs> and so the thing about the hurdles though, is they don't stop at high school. They kept going, they kept getting higher, especially with, yeah. with college. I mean, what was it for you? Like, I mean, did you have to change your technique at all as you got older because the, the hurdles are getting higher or was it just a, uh, Hey, just another I get hurdle uh, you have to go through. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> all pun, all pun. It was <laughs> trust me. Uh, the transition from high school to college was terrible. Not really terrible, but it was it was it was very it was very rigorous for me because I'm I'm not the tallest. Um, but once again, I'm always the most internally confident. You know what I mean? Like I have confidence in myself. Um, so therefore, just because the hurdle was higher, um, I knew it was going to take me maybe a year and a half to adjust. You know what I mean? Um, but all I had to do realistically was to believe in myself because our training, because you know, once, once, once we both know that in high school, the height is 39 inches, right? Um, so therefore the only way in order for me to get adjusted to running over college height, which is 42 inches, um, all of our workouts had to be on 39 inches so that we could get adjusted and acclimated to seeing the high height every day in training right and then my coach my coach was pretty pretty good at getting it adjusted because what they would do is um he would put the first two say for example we're doing like a block start day right mm -hmm. he would put the first two hurdles on 39s which i know i could definitely do and then on number three he would put it on 42 so that way i'll have enough speed build up to go up to 42s and then drop me down to 39s and then drop me back, put, pull me back up to 42. Mm -hmm. And then on random days where it's called um, accelerated hurdles, we would put the first hurdle on 42 inches and let me get out the blocks. And then if I, if I crash that hurdle, I still have whatever momentum to take it to the, however many hurdles there. So, I mean, it was very, very tough because um, once again, my, it, it, it took me back to square one where I had to, figure out how I'm going to get over these hurdles and figure out how strong I have to be to get through the hurdles because not only does um, the hurdles get higher in, in college, they get heavier. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they get heavier, which means I had to get stronger and I'm a little scrawny little freshman kid who lifted whenever they wanted to lift in high school, you know? Mm -hmm. So now I have a set weight program. It was very tough because um, it was it was frustrating for me because I wanted to be competitive, but whenever I would feel like I'm getting I'm getting it, there's a whole new section that I had to learn. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that was a, a big jump for me as well, going from from high school to college because. <laughs> In high school, I mean, I wasn't nowhere near as dominant as, as you were in the high school level, but you go from, you know, especially at those smaller meets where you, you can p- go through the motions and win uh, to in college, especially for you at, at Auburn, um, where yeah. you, you can't just go through the motions and, and you win. You can't just go through the motions and win in the SEC, not in the SEC. No. So, I mean, and, what- yeah, and that was another stress, re- stress there, too, uh, within itself, because um, – it's the SEC. You got to be ready to fire at every every guy given day, and if you ain't firing, you're not on the travel spot. Mm-hmm. So I had the the pressure of learning how to run over forty twos early, right? And the pressures of not being over and put on the uh, the travel squad. So it's either you learn this shit or you ain't on the travel squad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? was was hurdling something that or just competing at the professional level because I know you're still you're still running you're still you know hurdling is that something that you always knew you wanted to do ever since you know high school when you started saying oh I'm pretty good at this or is it something that you know towards the the tail end of your college career that you're like hey let's like you know let's keep giving this a go um honestly my ultimate goal when I took track series and say I want to get a scholarship and go to a to a division one school or whatever school that I wanted to go to for track. My ultimate goal was to all, always make a world championship team and an Olympic team. Those were the only two goals that I had in mind. Now, however, when I qualified for my first um, world championship team, my junior year of college, that goal changed because my training group, we had everybody in my training group at college qualify for their world championship team and then in their Olympic team. So the fact that I was able to experience the, the Olympic setting with my training partners who are also in college with me, you know what I mean? And their backgrounds is like, Oh, I want to go pro. I want to go pro for me. It was like, I never wanted to go pro. I wanted to go to college experience what college athletics is like, go to Olympics, go to world championship. But it wasn't until junior year um, where I was, making Olympic teams, making world championship teams and making national teams where I'm like, Oh snap. I, I actually like doing this. And also, and then my coach was like, yo, Zah, like you're ranked four fastest man in the world going into indoor. And I'm like, never thought about that. <laughs> and then he was like, yo, how about this? Look at this. Just keep doing what we're doing. And um, I know for a fact that you can make it on the next level. And for me at the time, I didn't understand what the next level was. But I knew there was a next level of track and field being pro. And because when I was in high school, I used to message a lot of like pro guys and people who were who are doing stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I knew I had an idea, but my goals were only to make a world championship team and an Olympic team. And being that I was able to accomplish both in junior year, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like, all right, next mark. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Once you, yeah, once you start getting good at something, it's like those goals that you originally set be like, ah, yeah, let me shoot a little bit higher. Like first, yeah. hey, I just want, I just want to make it to the Olympics. I just want to make it to the world championships and you make it be like, Oh, I did well. Okay. Maybe I want to make right. it to the, the semifinals. I want to make it to the finals. I want to win this thing. It's just going to keep going up. It does. It's going to keep going. And that's, and that's, and that's the, the beauty of the sport because you think you, 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 you thought high and set a high goal. But then you put in so much work in that in that little gap that you thought you shot high, and then you just over over propel yourself past that goal, and it's like, wait, 
that's my goal under there. And then from there, you're like, all right, I'm throwing a fish hook as far as I could now. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. a it's just a positive momentum still, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know for for me, like uh something that that i always would see when i was vaulting uh you know i would be like okay i re- i want to originally jump i want to jump 15 feet or whatever it is and so then i jumped it and i'm like oh man that was a good jump i could go another you know foot higher at least because you know with right. track and field like everything is like so like so small and so minuscule like the difference in being able to you know run an olympic qualifying time and the difference in running a you know a time that's good for a high schooler well it's not it's it's not that that much time like in the grand scheme of things like it's like what right. one two seconds but which in real it's not that much you know for us like just talking about like what but in track and field it's like that's miles away and then especially yeah. when you get up to that like elite level like man you're talking about hundreds of seconds that are the difference in you know being great not even hundreds milliseconds bro milliseconds milliseconds bro i i, I didn't lost the race by a millisecond yeah. That cost me a medal. Which what what uh which race? World Juniors. We had to we had the joint third place Dang. for a medal with <laughs> so, the British kid. That stink. That's tough, man. It I know uh we ran the same exact time. We ran 1338, same exact time, but I dipped and he dipped and they gave him point zero zero one fast pass. It's like thirteen thirty-eight. Point zero zero one, and his was point, and his was uh, his was uh, thirteen thirty eight point zero zero. They gave me that that point zero 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 one millisecond. Yeah, that shows you how close like the these times are like that. And yeah, you said that's that was the difference in in uh, a medal. Uh, like imagine and that stuff happens at every level, which is why I love the sport because it's so crazy. Yeah. That could easily happen. At the Olympic level, that could easily happen, you know, at the the high school, college level. And yeah, it's, definitely. It's it makes it it makes the sport so much great, uh, greater. And um, so so for you, I mean, obviously you've been around the sport for a while. Like, who have been some of your the people that you look up to, or, or that are you know were motivating, that helped you motivate, or, or mentors, or anything like that, that really kept you going, you know, when things might have been you know might have been tough. Um, quite frankly, honestly, I don't really look up to anybody. Uh, but I do have a few mentors that I kind of talk to every day and, mm-hmm. and we buzz like, you know, Justin Gatlin is, is my, uh, is my top dog. You know what I mean? That's like my, mm-hmm. my huge mentor right there, you know, um, boat, Usain boat is a big one, um, that, you know, uh, I like to mentor. And then, um, believe it or not, uh, this is like incredible hundred meter hurdler. Um, her name, she goes by the name of Megan Tapper. Um, she, she runs for Jamaica. Um, she's a big motivator, you know, um, she's a good friend of mine. Uh, yeah, those are the people who mentor me that's been through it, you know, trains with, you know, Shelly Ann Frazier, Shelly Ann Frazier Price, you know what I mean? That all of us in that same little group there, you know, um, those are the people who are in my circle, who I, I, I really talk to on a daily, you know, my coach, for example, Joey Scott, dude, that dude is a motivational speaker within itself. Um, He's the one who's controlling my ship at this moment, you know what I mean? And he's the one, he's the man with the plan. Um, he doesn't come to practice bullshit, you know what I'm saying? And the he leads by example, I will say. So um, Joey Scott is 
number one on my list of motivators um, that I listen to every day. Justin Gatlin's uh, a slight two, um, and then Megan Tapa is number three. There you go. I mean, those are some some big names, some big household names that you know drop it right there. There's people that are you know helping you motivate and or you know helping you stay stay your course there. I mean, sounds like you're you're having a lot of you know a lot of great names, and so that means a lot of hard workouts, I'm sure too. Like, uh, oh boy, I had one today. That's why I'm staying hydrated right now. I had one today. There you go. I had um I had a a a 500 breakdown today. Three of them. Yeah, let's hear like yeah what's uh yeah, tell us yeah what was your yeah what was your workout today or what was another you know some of your other really hard workouts that you have so, you know so people can hear the type of uh, you have to go through all right so today's workout is like a 300 meters at 36 seconds 36 37 pace you can't run slower than 37 um and 300 once you cross the line with 300 you have 30 seconds rest 30 to 45 seconds rest give or take coach says it's a minute but that thing for like 30 seconds, um, uh, 30 seconds to a minute rest, turn right on the line, run hundred meters. And then about three and a half minutes. And then you do it again, twice, three times in a row. Ooh, that sounds that's, that's, yeah, that's what we did today. But then, um, we're in a new phase, but the second, the, uh, second phase, um, before this phase, um, the workout we did was 250, 150. So you run 250 meters. The goal of the 250 meters is to enter the the two first 200 of the 250 at anywhere between 23 to 24 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then you finish, and then you you have like a minute or two running 150. You got a lot of that. And then six 300s was a good one. Um, I actually hate the, those lactic workouts, <laughs> so. Um, just thinking about it, it makes me sick, <laughs> but you know, it, it needs to be done. You know, um, those workouts are, are, are put in place for you to be able to, uh, to be durable through the rounds. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you can't move through the rounds, you can't win. If you can't win, you can't perform. If you can't perform, you can't show up to the meet. So, um, those are the workouts that my coach likes to call character, character builders. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, those, those workouts, they build character. Um, because it shows who really wants it and who really, who really just is there, you know, when you're, when you're doing these trainings, do you, I know you mentioned you had a lot of training partners in college. Um, who are you doing these, these workouts with now, or is it just you and the track, uh, and your coach, you know? Oh, no, nah, I, I wouldn't, I, I'd be sleeping. It was just me in the track, <laughs> but, uh, I have a really good training group here. Um, I train with uh, true fit athletics. Um, you give us a follow. Um, we, we we're 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 a really big group, um, really really big small group I would say. Um, so in my group we have two time Olympians in our group. We have multiple uh, world championship qualifiers in our group. Um, we have national record holders in our group. We have collegiate record holders in our group, and it's just such a such a really good close knit group that you know they come from all walks of life. The SEC, the Big Ten, Big Twelve, Big East. You know what I mean? Um, we were literally diverse. Um, my number one training partner is Jeff Eumless. I don't know if you remember 2016 Haitian hurdler, mm-hmm. guy who does this. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately he fell at the first hurdle. But oh in the, yeah. In the big... yeah, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, that's my training partner there. He's he's here. Um, but we have Ebony Morrison, the American record holder over 200 meter hurdles and 300 meter hurdles, all like that. Um, 
We have Ashley Kelly, who's the multiple-time Olympian for the British Virgin Islands. We have um, Danielle Delgado, who runs for Puerto Rico. We have Nick Anderson of Kentucky, formerly of Kentucky, Daniel Roberts' old training partner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we 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 have some 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 hitters in our group. You know what I mean? Like it, our group ain't a slouch. Mm-hmm. Oh, Fred Curley, obviously. Um, you know, but oh yeah, yeah, Fred Curley's is here. Um, but it's it's a, it's a big group, man. You know, we 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 show up. And we put out, you know, we we have we all know we have goals to to reach. So we come in there, motivate each other every day, even in a group text, and you know we, we get it how we live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you you guys are probably having some really competitive practices, uh, whether it's you know, hurdling <laughs> or just you know doing 200, 300 uh, workouts. Um, for you, um, obviously, like how did training change going into this year of 2020? Because obviously, we originally were supposed to have the Olympics happening what this past summer and that got pushed back a year uh, did, and a lot of, you know, elite hurt, elite athletes, you know, you have training cycles where you're getting prepared to peak at the right time. How did that kind of change when you found out, Hey, we're going to push this thing back a year. We have to kind of, you know, reset this thing a little bit. Honestly, that was the best news I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best news I ever heard, man. Um, it sounds funny because, oh, wow, why wasn't you ready for the Olympics? Well, during that time period, I mentally was at a very much low because um, that was during the period where I just left Switzerland and I was 195 pounds, um, out of shape. I wasn't out of shape, but I was just the last program that I was training in for the last two, three seasons post-collegially um, wasn't working for my body. Um, I went, I left college at 107, 168, 169 pounds, went two years in a program and left out 195 pounds. So therefore my body was never used to carrying around that much weight. And, and the program was just, because I was, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm a dog. I'm going to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever the workout is, I'm lining up. I might cry, complain in the, in the midst of it. But when that whistle blows for us to, to get on line, I'm on the line. I'm pushing. I'm finishing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that I'm that type of an athlete, you know what I'm saying? Um, I was able to complete a lot of the workouts that I my body shouldn't have been going through, like almost as if I was a 400 hurdler. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, training as a 400 hurdler while trying to run 110 meters is not going to work. You know what I mean? I had more slow twitch than fast twitch. And quite frankly, like that was the turning point in which um, my body was slowly starting to get reacclimated to being a sprinter again. You know what I mean? So the when I heard the news that they were going to cancel it, me and my coach, because I was just joining my coach, Joey Scott, um, at the time. So it was a good news to both of us because now we had more time for him to get adjusted to me and I get adjusted to him and we both get adjusted to the program and how it's going to best shape out my career further down the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds yeah like it was a blessing in disguise that you're able to get this extra year to train extra year of, of meets ready to get your mind, your body, 
uh, all that stuff right because I mean it's it's a long it's a long task. I mean it's the, to say hey we're gonna go to the Olymp the Olympics and be one of the top athletes in the world. It's you know not something you want to do if you're a little bit out of out of shape or just not mentally there. So yeah, it seems like it was a you know great you know great blessing in disguise for you there. It was a blessing in disguise, man. I took advantage of that. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And you know looking back at your your career so far. Like what have been some of those, you know, your proudest moments or, or meets where you've been, you know, really look, uh, you know, look like you, you accomplished something really, you know, that you're really proud of, you know, from the, the meets that you've had so far? Um, all of my national team representation meets, honestly, uh, I take those meets real serious. Um, not only because, you know, once again, it's like going to a USA trials or uh, a USA national meet. Um, that right there is my mini Olympics. <laughs> Every time I get, I get to wear a Liberia uniform, like I take that real serious because not everybody gets the opportunity to represent their country. Um, and for two, I, I take it serious solely because of the kids who are watching me wear that uniform. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, they, a lot of people in America, they, oh yeah, cool. You was Liberia, but the kids who, who I actually go to Liberia and meet and see and talk to, those are the ones who who oftentimes, you know what I mean, talk to me, hey, thank you for representing our country. And they show much more, you know what I mean, enthusiasm to to what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean you're you're one of the you know the those top athletes. So I'm sure yeah being able to to go back and seeing the lives of you know these kids that you're you're impacting. Um, you know, maybe introducing some new people to to the sport as well. Like as of someone like hey this guy was able to, you know, to make it doing something that, that he loves. Let me, you know, let me give this, this hurdling thing, thing a try. So yeah, it's been a, it can be much, so much bigger than, you know, than just track itself. Thanks. Awesome, man. But, um, so, Hey, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this, uh, this upcoming year is looking like for you. Do you guys have any meets on their, your schedule or do you like, what is your, the next few you know months look like for you with right now? I'm going to be honest with you right now. Um, the entire professional track and field world, we're on ice at the moment. Um, my first three races were supposed to be within the second or third week of January, um, which I was supposed to open up my, my season in Germany and then go over to Stockholm and then go to France. But recent times I've received, me and my agent, we received an email saying that Germany Stockholm and France, they rescheduled the meet or canceled the meet. Um, and Europe itself is going on a lockdown. Um, so for indoor, I'm not sure if there's going to be international meetings. Um, if there is, it is. But for the most part, um, I think my coach is saying that we should just start um, elongating our, our um, competition phase and have inter-squad meets here and there and then maybe like two or three inner squad meets and then start prepping for Olympics. There you go. There you go. Well, it's going to be exciting seeing where, where that goes for you guys. Um, but before we go, where can some people find you if they want to, you know, catch up with your story, follow you on social media, where can you know people go? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> follow your boy on Instagram at I A M dot Z A Z A. Wait, no, that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> Follow me at I am, wait, I am Z-A-Z-A -Z -A dot W. There it is. That's it right there. There we go. There. That's it. 
I A M Z A Z A dot W. There we go. There we go. Or, or you can go on Facebook and follow my fan page, Wellington Zaza fan page. There we go. Um, yeah, that's about it. Duh. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks for, for taking the time. Uh, it's been awesome. Great to catch up with you. Um, for those that have listened, this has been another episode of Track World News. Uh, if you like this, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Track World News. You have a bunch of different clips, updates on the show. Um, hope that you like it. Uh, have a good one and peace. Thank <laughs> you.